Coming at you live from Arizona Spring Training. It's me, it's that guy, and this is the Blue Heaven Podcast. Man, 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 man. My voice is still tore up. It's slightly on the mend, but maybe I'm just lying to myself. But what's going on, Dodgers Nation? My name is Clint. You can find me as RealFRG on Twitter and Instagram. That guy is DMAC underscore LA on Twitter and Instagram, and he's got to do a lot of the talking today because, again, my throat is toe up, but how you doing, man? Oh, my God, they killed Kenny, and someone killed your voice. But I think it's, you still sound great, Mr. Pasillas. But welcome to another show, guys. We're here live out in Arizona today. We actually had some live scrimmages, so a lot to get into. Thor-phased hitters, Julio-phased hitters. We'll talk about Bob Nightingale's comments on Julio Urias. Is he frustrated with L.A.? Will that be a factor in determining where he ends up long-term? Lots to get into. We're going to dive into Trace Thompson as well. Doc had some very interesting things to say about Trace Thompson and his possible role for this team. But, yeah, what were your thoughts on that? Well, I, I want to dive into that a bit later. Let's go into that later. Yeah, yeah a, little, a bit later. But I, I maybe I have a take on, on Trace and kind of what I'm reading from Dave. Um, that isn't popular or popular opinion, and maybe I'm just way off base. It's a strong likelihood that I'm way off base. But first, we want to remind you again, this is a live stream, so drop into them comments. Let us know where you guys are representing Dodgers Nation tonight. Yes, this is night three in a row of Blue Heaven shows, and hopefully by the time we're back, uh, we're going to not be live on Friday night because me and the boys, we got to party a little bit, but hopefully my voice will be back uh, by Saturday when we go live. So I apologize for the way I sound. Trust me, it's very frustrating. But let's dig into some of the comments here. Appreciate you guys uh, hanging out with us on YouTube. Doom Sal's checking in. Says, good evening, Dodgers Nation. Christopher D says, let's go Dodgers. Craig Osterberg checking in from the 310. Uh, asking any rain. No, we don't have any rain out here. It was windy as hell on Wednesday. Beautiful day here in uh, in Glendale, Arizona. On uh, on Thursday, Joseph, the 707 North Bay, uh, Dave Luna said he saw Trace Thompson in the title, thought he got traded. Nah, he's going to get some opportunities here in in uh, spring training, as Dave said. But I'm kind of I don't know about concern. I'm just I don't think his his job is as secure as some people might think. Uh, Craig is giving me some advice. Give me some help. Just gargle with salt water and drink lemon and honey. Um yeah. <laughs> Dave Luna says hook, hook Clint up with some Stephen Hawking text to speech. Hey, I'm down for that right now. It's it's been a struggle. You know, I, I need these I need these boys in the in the damn uh, studio here to calm it down, calm it down with all the the crap talking because I want to chime uh, chip in to the running gags we have going here because as Doug McCain here will attest to you, I could crank it about 10% higher than the worst these guys can do. So we have a lot of fun uh, entertaining, entertaining our, our, each other and ourselves with um, problematic statements. Not really. We're very good people, honest Christian boys plus whatever. Um, Noah is. No, we love Noah. He's a nice boy. Hi, Noah. Hi, uh, Brandon is checking in from Austin, Texas. We got 909, we got 805, we got the 832, we got the 559, but that's enough of me talking. You talk, you talk about that practice scrimmage game. Hey, sort of real baseball, but not real baseball happened at Camelback today. Yeah, not real baseball, but still competitive at bats. And I think you 
consider some of the at-bats quality and really the pitchers. Really the first thing that stood out to me was Noah Syndergaard out there on the mound. He faced seven batters, got six outs, and that was his first game action with the Dodgers. So really to see him out there in the presence and him putting all of these mechanical adjustments that he's been working on into place, seeing it click, as he said to reporters after the game, I think he has some positive momentum moving forward. Uh, we Austin Barnes, you heard him talk in the clubhouse. He didn't look at the velocity, but that mitt was popping pretty loudly. Does have that big extension towards the plate, so it does play up. And yeah, I thought I thought he was pretty impressive. He threw 26 pitches, had three strikeouts, allowed just one base runner on that Max Money sing on that Max Muncy single. Probably the best at bat was Max Muncy. Hit the ball hard. He yelled something about getting that hit because there wasn't the shift in play. So he was excited about that. We talked to Muncy after. So really, the first big takeaway has to do with Noah Syndergaard. What were your thoughts on his his action today, Clint? Well, I saw him in the bullpen. You guys will see some of the clips going up on all of our social media stuff. So if you if you didn't see it yet, follow us at Dodgers Nation on, on all the things. Instagram, we're posting clips. Twitter, we're posting clips. Facebook, we're posting clips. Make sure you're following us. YouTube.com slash Dodgers Nation TV. Subscribe. Hit the like. Leave a comment. Tell your grandma's uncle we're here. We're going hard all season long, having a good time. But um, I was watching him in the bullpen before. I got I got some nice uh, you know footage of that ball. He's got he's got some good two seam run going. But he looked he looked uh, how do you call it dominant, strong and dominant or whatever it is. I don't know. He described himself in a, in a weird way. Got an article coming out about it right now, written by our No Cameras on DodgersNation.com. Um, you know he looked like you would expect for it being a week into spring training, you know, hit pitchers are way ahead of the hitters right now. And, you know, he took advantage of, of that. Yeah. And when you go kind out of facing the B squad in a way too. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't facing the me, the lineup, and guys trying to actually win games or score runs. But I think for him getting back out there on the mound, last year was his first return after the Tommy John <laughs> surgery. Still pitched over 130 innings. But a couple of things that stand out for me with Noah Syndergaard, he's the first guy out there in the morning. He's the first guy out there putting in work before any of the pitchers. Clayton Kershaw maybe beats him by like a couple of minutes, but he's out there doing work. And I think the thing with him, he mentioned his two-seam fastball. When he was at his peak, he was doing that four-seam fastball 98.7 miles per hour back in 2016, he doesn't need to be that guy at this stage of his career. I think you ditch some of that four-seam fastball in favor for the two-seam. The sinker gets some more ground ball outs. His command has been pristine really throughout his career. It was great last year. It's just a matter of really reinventing himself and being more of an outs getter. And I think you look at Clayton Kershaw and you say to yourself, Kershaw is a guy who was always locating that 94, 95, 96 mile per hour fastball during his heyday. That number is already down to 90.7 miles per hour, but he's locating it and he throws that slider. So I think Syndergaard should have some conversations with with Kershaw about reinventing himself and really reestablishing himself as one of the pitchers, better pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. But you can see him certainly just enjoying this process and trying to get back to where he was. And you can feel the belief. I mean, when he told reporters after he was signed that he'd get back to 99, you know by his presence and just the feel of this guy that he truly believes that. Yeah, and, and with this this Dodger club, this this uh, pitching unit, this pitching uh, the the coaching staff, the guru of staffs, that uh, staff guru, whatever you guys know what the hell I'm trying to say. This team, the, uh, the coaching staff, fuck, just say it. They can figure out how to make 
uh, bring out the best of somebody that ha- already has the talent, you know, and that's what it was. We, you know, he's seen it. We've seen uh, Noah Syndergaard be at his best before, be one of the top pitchers in baseball. They can get that back, and like you mentioned, being that much further removed from the uh, the elbow surgery, there's a lot to be positive about, and, and it's not a dude who needs to be throwing number one, number two in your rotation. That makes it a lot better, but um, <clears throat> voice is annoying. Uh, moving on, let's talk about Julio on the other side. I would say Julio Urias looked better than Syndergaard on the bump. Um, also got some video up on our social media of, of uh, Julio. Um, what were your takeaways on Julio? I mean, he looked nasty, and he was facing, what, Mookie. He's facing Freddie. Yeah. He's, he's facing Will Smith, and he looked pretty damn dominant. Julio was sharp out there. There's no question about it. Eight outs on just 20 pitches, so he was efficient out there. He struck out three consecutive batters there in the second inning. And, yeah, you could see he's just so comfortable, so poised. And I think at this point of his career, he's just going out there and playing his game the way he yeah. does it. And he just trusts his stuff, and he's such a competitor out there that he knows that he's facing the better hitters in the Dodgers lineup. And he takes a lot of pride in going out there and performing the way he does. Also, he knows what's at stake for himself this year. But, yeah, he's a guy that when you really see up close and personal, you see that this is a true pitcher and not a thrower. The way he commands the strike zone, the way he trusts this stuff and goes out there and just attacks hitters with, he always is dictating the action out there. And that mm-hmm. is something that you really appreciate and you marvel at when you watch Julio Urias out there. And yeah, I mean, he's just so comfortable and you can just tell that he's primed to have a great season. Yeah, and I like you're talking about. He's, he's somebody who looks comfortable. This is you know, he's had back-to-back years of being one of the top pitchers in baseball, even though the, the, the recognition around the league won't show that. You know, no all-star selections. You know, he got a little bit of love in the Cy Young voting. But, um, you know, this is a dude, he didn't come into camp trying to be in the best shape of his life. You know, like I said last night, the panza's hanging a little bit. He's feeling good. He ate he ate healthy this offseason because he knows exactly what he needs to do. He knows exactly who he is, what his body is, what that left arm needs to do uh, 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 you know, to be ready to strike out or get outs at the major league level. Um, I think you know, he's had a back-to-back really good years. This year could be some of the best Julio we've ever seen in our lives. Um, we got some really good content coming from uh, for you guys on the YouTube channel. This guy talked to Miguel Rojas, one of the guys we talked to today. Uh, and um, we, we asked, <laughs> fuck, we asked about, uh, asked Amen. Mickey about Julio and his growth and what he's seen. Uh, you know, kind of didn't really think about it, but Rojas was here in LA at the time that Julio was sort of, Making his way through the minor leagues and all, uh, um, you know, establishing himself as one of the top minor league pitchers at that time, and you know, Miguel was talking about like the growth, the maturity, like almost saying the same thing. Like this is a guy who knows exactly who he is at this point in his career, and he knows, like you mentioned, what's coming next. Cha-ching, a lot of money, um, which I guess takes us to the Bob Nightingale thing. So Nightingale, uh, we haven't talked about it here on the podcast. We wrote about it on, on the website over the weekend. But Bob Nightingale kind of had a little bit of a throwaway blurb in, in a, um, one of his recent columns where he's talking about, I guess he spoke with some friends close to uh, Julio who say he's kind of over L.A. because of the way they treated him more so, not letting him 
go out and throw a thousand innings while still being young and then also later coming off a shoulder surgery but give us some thoughts is it smoke no smoke what do you think of all this i think it's no sp- i think it's no smoke in the st- <laughs> from the standpoint that oh because he is pitching less innings on the dodgers that that means that he doesn't want to re-sign with the dodgers or be a part of this team long term i think that scott boris is a guy that gets his clients 20 percent more than what they're worth on average and he's putting in work already and if you're a team out there that's saying oh you look at julio Urias's innings count you look at the fact he hasn't made an all-star team well his defense of that is going to be well the dodgers they didn't pitch him enough. The Dodgers didn't allow him to go deeper into games that he was capable of going deeper into. Last season, averaged 5.2 innings per start. We know that Julio, every now and then we saw a couple years ago, struggle in the first inning at times, and sometimes that would get his pitch count up, and that would impact that. But look, I don't think there's any doubters out there that know how good of a pitcher he is. And I think that, yeah, is it something that may has hurt him from postseason awards and accolades, yeah, I think there is a chance. I think if Julio Urias was pitching for a different franchise, he might have a Cy Young award. He might have a few all-star appearances under his belt. But look, if you're Julio, you say to yourself, wait a second, if I pitch for the Dodgers and they are the team that offers me the most money, you're telling me I'm earning more money to pitch less. That sounds like a good deal, right? I mean, that sounds like you know a a something that he would like. But I think that at the end of the day, this is nothing. I think that what it comes down to is it's a Scott Boris client. As long as you get a team in a city that he's semi-interested in, as long as they meet his price at the end of the day and pay him the most amount of money, that is most likely where he's going to sign. That's just the reality of it. Yeah, then Scott Boris is a guy who plays a big role in that for sure. But uh, I'm sure we'll deep dive more into Julio as the season comes along. Um this guy loves going the deep dives. What do you got? Well, one thing I want to say, too, is I think we're going to have a Julio Arias gold glove season because you <laughs> see that those cat-like, refres- those cat-like reflexes today on that Austin yeah. Barnes comebacker with the two strikes. So, yeah, I think that's another thing, too. But I don't know. What are your, what's your take on that? I mean, do you think that his love for Los Angeles, his connection with this city, I remember asking him at FanFest about that, and he spoke very highly and of this city and the connection that he has with the city. He knows it. He knows that he's the indelible image of the 2020 World Series. He's the guy that put this team on his back out of the pen. He was fantastic didn't allow a run out of that Dodgers bullpen. He came through in the NLCS. He came through in the World Series, striking out Willie Adamas, and that pitch was up to 97 miles per hour, right? I mean, he was dealing during that series, and he also sees the murals around town. He knows that, look, I mean, Kershaw Day has always been a thing, but Urias Day is definitely a thing, too, and the Urias is a guy that has a connection with this city, but look, I mean, it's a lot of money, and the Dodgers, they just have not paid up on some of these long-term guys for that on those kind of contracts. Yeah. So that just remains to be seen. But I think that if you're a Dodger fan out there that's saying, I mean, we've had this conversation about Julio, will he get $200 million? Will he get $280 million? A lot is riding on the season, how much success he has. Does he stay healthy? Is he continuing to be effective? And I think one thing I want to see from Julio this year is we saw him put this team on his back out of the bullpen through the postseason. If he does that as a starter – and let's say he has a Steven Strasburg type year, like in 2019, where yeah. he was dealing. Then I say, hey, we could talk about 250 plus million dollars. And you look at his age. I think this is one of those exceptions for the Dodgers that they look at not only how good of a pitcher he is, but what he means to this team and this community. And I think that's something they would consider. So I think there is a chance they there, go long term for him. Yeah, there's absolutely the LA play, and I I would say if any pitcher or any Boris client really 
would step in and be like, no, I don't care about all that. I, this is where I want to be. I think it's Julio. I think he would consider that more. I mean, this is, he, he doesn't want to go pitch in Texas. He doesn't want to go pitch for the Kansas City Royals, even though they're not going to pay enough money for that. I don't think Julio wants to be on the East Coast. He's a happy boy here. Keep him home in L.A. I think that's, that's a very strong – even if he has a great year or a mid-year or whatever it is, there's a strong likelihood he wants to stay in L.A. and they can figure something out where it's not top dollar, but it's just a hair under. We've seen this team pay their left-handed aces before. We saw the money go to go to Kershaw. They were in uh, on Granky when he left up until – the, the Diamondbacks upped it by one year, and Zach said the whole time he's going to go to wherever the money is, but they were right in there on that. And they've been in uh, – they were in on on, on um, Garrett Cole to a point. They're in on everybody. Did, yeah. But everybody usually will go where all the money is. I think Julio's one guy who's willing to take that step back to stay in the more comfortable situation. Good comments here. Uh, people loving the voice. Again, sorry, guys. My, my voice is very blown Phlegm leads to hacking up a lung, leads to everything. Huh? It's my Jordan game. I was, I was literally thinking about that. My, you beat Jordan, I'll be Scotty Pippen. We'll walk up the, out of the him. kitchen. You'll be you leaning on my shoulder. Yeah, I yeah, got, I got, yeah. I got that dog in me. Yeah, you got that. <sighs> I shouldn't do that. That does not, doesn't help. You got I went, that, I went you got, spent like 40 bucks on You got that sick on. like a dog. <laughs> I'm not even sick. Like, I, I mean, I got these. Oh, yeah, you're really not guns. sick. Yeah, you're yeah, not yeah, sick. Yeah, I feel good. Like, I, just, I, I mean, somebody yeah. should put me down either way. But hey. uh, <laughs> uh, Will W. says Julio's going to uh, – thinks Julio's going to chase the money. Kevin Uhas says give Julio the bank. Um, Bruce Davis says Julio is ace. Kershaw is legend. I like I like that point. Uh, Seth Gribble says if I've never heard the words Bob, I make up stories because my agents pay me to, Nightingale. Uh, if he never hears another one of those stories, he can die ha- happy with the clown emoji. Uh, we love we love good clown emojis around here. Um, yeah, Bob Nightingale. He loves uh, he loves spinning a good yarn. You know, he's, he's he's a nice boy, friend of the show. No, I like I love me like he, he's Boob, right? He's Bob Nightingale. He's yeah. a legend, but you always have to take it with a grain of salt, the size of the rock of Gibraltar, right? But still, it's still. I mean, look, you could. It's plausible. I mean, look, if you're Julio Urias, and let's say he was frustrated, which I don't believe believe he is. I mean, some of my observations of Julio in that Dodgers clubhouse is he really carries himself like a made man. And he's so comfortable in that Dodger blue. And I think you bring up a great point is if you can get close and he wants to stay in L.A., then I think he re-signs with the Dodgers. Because let's not forget that Scott Boris is someone that he hires, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the other way around. Scott Boris works for him. We saw with, with Altuve a few years ago when he wanted the extension because of how much he likes staying in Houston. I mean, if you want to stay with the team, you can work some things out. It's just really a matter of finding a way to get close. And I think with Clayton Kershaw, if this is his last year with the Dodgers, you need another lefty starter. We know those don't grow on trees. We know that how premium that is. So, yeah, I hope it he stays with the Dodgers. But another factor I think you have to bring up, too, is if Shohei Otani is seriously considering signing with this team, what, are the Dodgers going to spend five, $600 million on Otani and then $250 million on Julio Urias? I mean, gas, I mean, ticket prices, parking, Micheladas, I mean, that is going to go through the roof, $1,000 Micheladas. So, I mean, for the fan, like, I'm going to be watching on TV anyway and going in free, so I'm not really worried yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, but uh, pay for tickets no more, but still, I mean, 
mean, I mean, that's kind of a, something to consider too. Is, is how much the Dodgers, how how big of a bag are they going to give to both those guys? But yeah, I do think that Julio is a guy that makes sense for LA, and I think he should be one of their top priorities. But yeah, I mean, I can't imagine him in another team's uniform, considering that he was a top prospect. I mean. You know, they went down there for Puig, and of yeah. course you find Julio, and it's really one of those stories. But it's not like, oh, the Dodgers, look, I mean, if, if he was with the Marlins, it's not like he would have 113 complete games like Fernando Valenzuela, right? I mean, that's just the nature of Major League Baseball. The Dodgers aren't the only team that is very careful with their starters. They're trying to manage the arm and prevent injuries. Let's not forget, he had a serious shoulder injury a few years back, which he's completely recovered from, and you want to avoid things like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, again, we can talk about Julio for nine hours and have a good time, but um, never nine hour show. This guy really is. If I did it, I would not make it, and <laughs> I would just be like full blown robot voice. But uh, let's move on a little bit. You got a lot of really good stuff in the clubhouse today. Content for days coming out. DodgersNation.com, youtubecom TV, All the spots we're gonna have all the content in the world. But chatted with Miggy Rowe today. You got Miguel Vargas. You got Diego Cartaya coming in trying to crash his interview. Really good time. You guys are going to enjoy that one. Talk to Jason Hayward. That's kind of been your guy. We got him first, his first appearance at Dodger Stadium. You got him wearing the ugly Jim Beam sweater, which was an ugly, beautiful sweater, by the way. Thank you, Jim Beam. Um, and now you got him here on on uh, the the eve eve of, of of games and all that kind of stuff. More stuff with, with friend of the show, Max, uh, Max Muncy. Um, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about about the Hayward stuff. You know, he, he he chatted about his connection to Freddie Freeman and and adjusting to where he's at. But it's still very early to know what the Jason Hayward experience is going to look like. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway was asking what's the key for him to have having success this year in the box and really being able to avoid those slumps that he had last year. And he really said being manageable and finding a way to make those adjustments quickly because last year that was the issue. When he struggled, he struggled mildly and just wasn't able to get his way out of it. But I think what you've seen early from him during spring training is his improved ability to get his bat to the ball, and that's going to help him avoid those slumps. So that's really the key for him is just being able to be a consistent hitter because, look, Cody Bellinger, he set the bar very low in center field as far as offensive production. So if you can get anywhere close to being a league average hitter, he's a five-time Gold Glove Award winner that can provide a lot. And Mookie was on – he he, he talked to Yonder too, and Yonder – who uh, we talked to, we'll drop that as well. And Mookie said, I got my guy, J.D. Martinez, back, my friend. And we know that J.D. Martinez isn't going anywhere. And he also said that Freddie Freeman got his friend back in Hayward. So that kind of tells me, me thinks that he's going to be on that uh, Dodgers team because I don't think Freddie Freeman would be very happy to have the guy whose locker is right next to him empty with Hayward <laughs> not there. So we kind of talked about it a little bit last night about kind of catering to their superstars. But, uh, yeah, I mean, other takeaways, too, I thought it was interesting to talk about about the culture of the Dodgers clubhouse and how there's a lot of guys that are around the same age, a lot of champions, a lot of all-stars. And then you have that mix of the young talent. It's kind of re-energizing these guys and giving them a boost. Yeah, I know. There's some really good stuff in that interview. Again, that one's up on our YouTube channel right now. If you guys haven't seen it, go see it. But not right now. We're still live. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's a veteran. He's been through a lot. World Series champion, all-star uh, even at, at only 33, he's he feels like a very old 33 because he came into this league as a 20-year-old with uh, with Freddie Freeman. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's a good assessment of the clubhouse. You know there there is there's a lot of 
there's a lot of bling, there's a lot of accolades in there, but there's also a lot of youth, and, and this is youth that, I don't know, the clubhouse feels different than, like you mentioned last year and years past where I've been in there. It's, it's a loose clubhouse. It is early in spring training, but I think a lot of this younger core of players have all been playing together for so long that they just immediately feel comfortable. Like seeing Diego Cartaya run around the clubhouse and having fun with his very good friend, uh, Miguel Vargas, is fun to see. And it's encouraging for Dodger fans to, to know that um, the veterans are very welcoming of of this next you know they're not worried about their jobs they they all want to try to win together and that's it's going to take it's not about 25 minutes 26 men now it's not about the 40 man roster it's about like all 70 players in that locker room all the way down to Nick Nastrini wearing number 96 or whatever number where yeah. he's wearing in that clubhouse <laughs> yeah. um but uh yeah you got Max Muncy really good stuff from Muncy uh you know he ditched he ditched the toe tap that was something we got out on the site today uh, look good. He's the only guy who actually got a base hit. Thank, th- thankfully, no shift for him. But but um, Miguel Rojas, uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be very clutch for this team. Just talking to him, the presence that mm-hmm. he has, yeah, really. the, what he cares, and and another one. I think uh, if if he can hit and he can field and he can stay healthy, like just a little bit, everybody's really gonna love. Miguel Vargas, you know, you talked to him a bit at FanFest, and now you had more of some one-on-one time with, with Miguel Vargas. Tell, tell the, fo- the fine folks a bit about Miguel Vargas and what they expect with your, your chat coming up. Yeah, I think the big takeaway from today defensively was the play he made on Best the Miguel play, Rojas. Play of the play season. Of the game. Yeah, play, of the, play of, the, of the season. <laughs> play of the season, we played one scrimmage <laughs> with two innings, yeah. But, no, I Fake think that what really left. stands out is he truly does feel comfortable playing that second base position hasn't played an inning of it for his entire career but what I asked him was what did you learn from Miguel Rojas a lot of people know that he helped him but what specifically did he help him with and it was the placement of his feet his glove placement where his legs are keeping his legs active and you saw the jump he got on that contact from Rojas, he was right there, and he still had to die for it. So you see his instincts are getting quicker, and I think what people are going to be surprised about is you know he's a great hitter, but the athleticism that he has defensively and the range that he has too. I think he can range that position well, and I think that it really is great timing for this Dodgers team to start this new era as far as defense up the middle because you do have the restriction on the shift, and you do need guys that have – some range. They're younger, more athletic, and that's what Vargas and Lux are. And I even I asked Vargas, too, about the chemistry with Lux and how special that's going to be to really start this new era, this new chapter with a guy you've known for so long. Yeah. And, yeah, he has a really strong relationship with Lux as well. But Miguel Vargas is the thing. I mean, he has raked at every single level. He only hit under 300 once, and it was high 290s back in 2019. He, is, he has – Bat-to-ball skills that are well beyond his years. His instincts, his feel for the game is something that's very impressive as well. And if he can hit at the big league level, if he can replicate that, you'll just take even an average Miguel Vargas at second base. So it's just about finding a role for him because we talked to Muncy, like you mentioned too, just mentioned just now that he feels very comfortable. I asked Muncy, I mean, is this the spot where you feel comfortable at? And I think that doesn't really get talked about enough is the fact that he feels comfortable at third base even though despite being a gold-glove caliber first baseman in 2021, sliding over to second when Trey Turner was there, now he feels comfortable at third. So I think this infield is really figuring itself out, and mm-hmm. Miguel Vargas is a big reason why. We, we aren't playing games yet. 
we're not even playing real fake games yet, but it's a it's a it's a group that that uh, an infield core that looks already pretty comfortable with one another, talking to each other. Dino is out there. You guys heard Dino at third base as the third base coach, um, hollering at these guys, talking about being on the dirt, where to be, even without the shift. You know, he was yelling at at Michael Bush, who was playing second base for, uh, I guess, the Cindergard group, and. Uh, uh, Bush was kind of deep back deeper on, on the grass instead of on the dirt. And he said, no, you come in on the dirt, you don't give them an inch. You don't give them an inch. And they're going to have that bulldog mentality, I think on defense right now. To, and, 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 um, you know, just drive that mentality home right now is the time you want to do it. But, uh, fun stuff to watch, you know, even if it's just a scrimmage, you know, it's, it's really fun stuff to watch. Everybody's really invested in, in, in what's going on. Even, the, you know, some of the fans that were there, I mean, the fans, aren't out in full force yet very early in spring training games start happening you're gonna get a lot more people in here but to get through a few of the comments here uh seth gribble says it's good to see jay hay open up um sarah morris asking if we saw kershaw we did see kershaw he was in town yesterday uh i didn't see him today i, I didn't yeah i i think he had something else going on but he was in town yesterday for the the photo shoot day dave roberts mentioned uh that He's going to kind of step back a little bit since he's not going to be pitching for the world uh, for Team USA in World Baseball Classic. There's no reason for him to try to ramp up right now. They don't need to worry about Kershaw on opening day, uh, on game two. They don't need to worry about that. They need to worry about Clayton Kershaw in September and October. Um, Andre Medina asking, where did you guys go for dinner last night? Took the boys to Yard House. Shout out Cody for suggesting Yard House. It was not Denny's. That's the important thing. It was not Denny's. So two and a half beers. Guys. Two and a half beers, guys. This guy was loaded out of his gourd. I'm hungover, man. This is a. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. Get in the. Uh, I see. What else we got? I see a huge one here. Shout out Super Chat Lori O. 1999. We appreciate that. Says Clint and Miggy V already playing hurt in spring training. Love it. That's what's up. That's he's a what's gamer. In. Okay, we know gamer. this. This is every word is. Very painful right now, but I'm doing it for you guys to suffer through this this pain and noise along with me. Um, uh, let's see. Do we think the Dodgers will do better than the Cubs? A hundred percent. Cubs. Not, I don't even know if they're an intriguing club. They have pieces, but that's about it. You know. Yeah, I mean, they have they have a few castoffs from the Dodgers that aren't going to equal very much over there. I mean, I really hope Cody does better uh, in Chicago. But you got still. Dansby. <laughs> no, but yeah, I'm not. I'm yeah, absolutely, yeah. the Dodgers are going to do better than the Cubs here. Let's keep it short. <laughs> uh, Gregory Hoskin, sure. when do you guys see Bobby Miller coming up and playing for the Dodgers? Give him some Bobby Miller. I got to talk to Doc today about Bobby Miller, and he basically said that the ball really is in his court, right? Yep. I mean, it's all about Bobby Miller and really improving that command. I mean, you're going to see him get starts during spring training. He mentioned that he's going to get starts this season. He kind of just kind of slipped that in there. So he will be making his debut this year. It's just not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when I talked to Bobby Miller a few days ago, he said, of course, he wants to make it to the show, but it seems like he doesn't want to be one of those guys that gets optioned down and makes does the you know becomes the Mitch White or the Ryan Pepio, guys that get those frequent flyer yeah. miles going from L.A. to OKC for where, wherever it may be. He wants to be a guy that comes up and sticks 
Jackson has a role, but really what you have to focus on, Bobby Miller, is the command on that fastball, and that is going to allow it to play up even more, miss more bats, because we know it's a great pitch, but he has an arsenal of pitches, and he's not quite there yet, but I think just a little more seasoning, he's going to be ready to go, and I think this is the right year for him. I think last year he would have been rushed through. This year he's in a position where you can tell that he's just knocking on the door. It's just about opening that door and just making his presence felt. He doesn't want to rent that house. He wants to buy that house, live there, stay at the big league level, and have a big impact. I know some people out there saying trade bait. Someone asked me would I trade him for Shohei Otani. I mean, I trade my family for Shohei Otani. So, look, I mean, that's not – I'm not the right guy to ask for that. But, like I said, he's a very untradeable guy because he truly has the potential to be a – top flight starter with the stuff that plays up in the postseason and when you're on the Dodgers you will be in the postseason so he's a guy you hold on to unless it's a elite player pretty much Shohei Otani yeah. or nothing you know things like that yeah postseason you gotta have that panache you gotta have that that, yeah. that that dog and you gotta have that character and he is somebody who can carry himself on the mound uh, you mentioned Dave Roberts I'm gonna get into that in, se- in a second but we got a few comments uh, uh, there was I like the comments last night Seth Gribble bringing it back up uh, here a little bit <laughs> People seem to think that Bobby Miller's kind of just stoned out of his gourd. He's Bobby Miller's the new Cody Bellinger. He's, I don't think that's just him. It just feels like that's just him. He's, I don't think he's. I don't think he's baked in Major League Clubhouse for the first time in his life. Yeah, laser focus. He, he's, laser focus. he's Bobby Chiller, man. He's a vibe. He's just super he's that, chill. Vibes. He's just a there vibe. And he's very monotone. Bobby like you said. vibes. There's the shirt. But yeah, no. Uh, he Trace, ain't, he's ain't, he ain't big Bobby, okay? Let's put big, it that but way. Trace Hayward, season 2022, checking into the stream. Uh, first time, says, first time making it to a stream for a while. Appreciate you hanging out with us. As always, Sarah Morris saying the Cubs are boring. I fully agree with that one. Francisco, friend of the show here, saying, did somebody already say fire Dave Roberts? Because if not, then fire Dave Roberts. Hey, best fans in the business. This, this is, this is, hey, this is, this is family. <laughs> About that family. <laughs> family man. Appreciate you guys. Really love when you guys. When you're here, your family. When you're here, I made up that line. Your family. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about Dave. You were there at the uh, the Roberts scrum for the day. Once again, he was asked about Trace Thompson. Um, to me, I haven't heard incredibly uh, high words of encouragement out of Dave Roberts about Trace Thompson. Uh, since the end of last season, he's been asked. They, they, there's been, you know, different stories, different quotes, different, you know, uh, mentions out of Dave's mouth about Trace Thompson, and I don't think he's fully bought in on <clears throat> last year not being an anomaly. And he, you know, he li- Dave likes to really point out that you know the reverse splits did not hit left-handed pitching well at all. Andrew Friedman talked about like we did not expect him, you know, to be around. They pretty much expected him to be the guy that the Dodgers love. He's gonna be here for a week or two and then he gone. But he hit his way to stay on this club. But uh yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Trace Thompson stock is slipping a little bit. Uh, we have a clip that we're going to play right now from Dave's uh, press conference today, and then we'll dive into uh, more thoughts on on Trace Thompson, Dave Roberts, and all that kind of role in future. Just something that always just striving to just continue to get better. And I, and I can't speak right now what the role is going to look like on opening day, what it's going to look like in the middle of the season. So I think that that kind of speaks to obviously opportunity, performance, but um, we're going to need them. 
and uh, so I just I'm not going to talk about exact roles right now. You know, we're back. So um, Dave's not committing to a role. Um, earlier in the offseason or earlier in spring training, he's been asked a few times about Trace, and he kind of mentioned, you know, again the the, the reverse splits, the the inability to to kind of hit left last year. And it's clear that this team needs somebody to hit left. I mean, they have uh, J.D. Martinez, which in my, my uh, opinion, my feeling kind of hurts uh, Trace Thompson more than it helps. But uh, Dave mentioned like opportunity, but very, very noncommittal to the kid. What are your thoughts on, on Trace Thompson and, and where, what his status might be for the club right now? Yeah, first thing I want to say is you're really great at that. You're really perceptive in reading Doc's comments. You're between the lines. You read right between the lines. I know those Doc 101. You, you're fluent in Doc, right? You speak Doc like it's, a for, like it's a second language to you. And I think that he was noncommittal, and they are kind of leaving things out in the open. I remember maybe last week when they asked him about him playing in the WBC, and Doc's response was you wanted to see him get more at-bats and continue yeah. to work. And, look, of course, if someone go plays for their country, you got to honor and respect that. Yeah, but, but he would like to get more eyes on him. Yeah, and yeah. if you're Trace Thompson, this is really the opportunity of a lifetime because the reality is, like you mentioned, it's been well-documented about his reverse splits. You thought when they brought in Trace Thompson, at the very least, he would rake against lefties, but he was bad. He was b- below league average, and he struggled mightily. And I think they talked about it today, and Dave said one of the reasons was the angles from the lefties, kind of his setup a little bit and trying to make some adjustments. But look, the reality is he's going to get an opportunity if he is able to have success at the plate he will continue to play that position because defensively he can get it done there's no question about that I don't think he's going to win the gold glove out there but he can get it done he did hit for some power last year he had 13 home runs and he was fantastic at times but to me it almost feels like it's summer loving and last year they had a nice summer fling the Dodgers and Trace Thompson was a great story you're not going to put a ring on the summer loving player, right? I mean, no. you really need to kind of know when to walk away. And I think there is a chance he could go back to being Clay's brother instead of Trace Thompson at some point. But I think the beautiful thing for Trace Thompson, though, is that he is going to get a true opportunity. Yes. It's not like he's going to go out there and go over to one day and be like, okay, DFA Trace Thompson, he's done, da-da-da, wherever it may be. They are going to give him a nice opportunity to go out there and compete for this position. And if he can prove he can hit, he's going to stay in this lineup. He's he's earned the opportunity. He has the first crack at a roster spot. You want him. We want him to be good because a, a team with a good Trace Thompson is that much better. But the track record is so rocky with this guy. It's hard to be like, yeah, this is going to be, you know, the dude we're we're riding with, we're rocking with, uh, heading into a season where we lost a, f- a number of dudes coming off 111 win season, blah, blah, blah. You don't want to go into the season like, well, you were good last year, so, like, we feel you deserve this, even though maybe you haven't earned it or or whatever it is. Um, He's going to get that opportunity. It's well-deserved, but I don't know how long that leash is going to be, particularly in in spring training. Again, Dave on on the the opportunities, the way Dave has kind of talked about – Jason Hayward, you mentioned the Hayward Freeman connection. They really want Jason Hayward there, and sure, one bat's left, one bat's right, but one's a veteran, one's won a a championship uh, at this level in this in this uh, fine game. And I think if it's push come to shove, they might go Hayward over Thompson just for 
I guess the shits and giggles of it, and in the fact that he does have a ring, you know, somebody put that ring on it. I mean, yeah, I think the thing <clears throat> is though, and I agree with you 100 percent that if Hayward can show that he's competent at the plate, he's going to be in there. There's no question about it. But I think that's a major question. That is a big if because look, Trace Thompson, a 145 OPS plus. I mean, those are impressive numbers in his opportunities. He's he's a guy last year that he punished mistakes, and that is what he did. He does have a long swing at times. I mean, his strikeout rate last season at 36. 6.5%. Everyone wants to talk about Chris Taylor's strikeout rate. Trace Thompson was higher. Yeah. If you look at his BABIP, Oof. his 374 BABIP was the second highest for players with a minimum of 200 at-bats. So, look, you know, I bring my facts to the fight, and the facts indicate that he's due for some serious regression, yeah. but I'm hoping that he put in the work this offseason. I'm hoping that they fine-tune some things that will allow him to have success because it is a great story. I mean, he's a great guy. He's really beloved yeah. in that clubhouse, yeah. and I think that, look, I mean, I would, we would love for Trace Thompson to have success, but there's some stiff competition. We haven't even mentioned James Altman, too, who's this another is, guy yeah. as well. Yeah, you, you really haven't seen – we see him walking around, but you haven't seen or heard very much about James Outman. Uh, it feels like he's he's going to start the year at AAA. I think that's already a foregone conclusion uh, in the front office's mind. Um, you know, Trace is, is a likable guy, but he's also very quiet. He's very reserved. Like, you see him walking around. He's not really with other people on the team. He's very in his own pocket universe, but that's just by design with him. He is a very private guy. He doesn't have social media. You know, you there's a lot of searches online about, like, does Trace Thompson have a girlfriend? What's the deal? Like, somebody posted a picture. He posted a picture, like, holding a baby one time, and there's, like, three different forums trying to figure out if he has a kid and whatever. He's dark and mysterious fellow, and, and, and people want to know more about him, but he doesn't want people to know about his, his stuff. But we want to know if he's going to be on the roster for opening day or not. Hey, what a bad transition. Speaking of transitions, <laughs> um, comments. Super chats. Three, two, what the hell? Three. Let's, oh my goodness. Let's, let's just let's just like take a minute here. Standing ovation. Give it up for you guys. I'm Hall of Famers it. here. All right, guys. MH again in the stream with the super chat. We can't tell you how MH. much we love if, you. Yep. MH Dodger for night. Ninety nine dollars again. Hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. Clint D Mac, get better. R and R. Need you guys on the squad. Ninety nine nine. Man, pay off my student loan debt. Man, come on. Pay off my credit card debt. And now, but we appreciate you so much yeah. rocking with us we're every R &R single episode. And look, we're here for you guys. Boots on the ground in the clubhouse, watching all this stuff. Because look, we're Dodger fanatics, just like you hey, guys. Hey. Yeah, big ups to Clint. When we for get in the clubhouse, through. you can see we go harder than just about any of these other mofos trying to cover this team. You get the best coverage, I, I feel, in the game at DodgersNation.com. And sure, I have to say that because that's how I get paid. But also, <laughs> like, we've transformed this into a thing. This, this, is, this is a culture where you want to go to get everything about your team because we don't bullshit. We don't sugarcoat it. We don't have any, any – um, I don't know. We're not beholden to any of these players. We don't have any sort of relationship. We're not tied to the team in any way. We're fans that try to give you the best non-biased coverage as possible. Uh, you know, you can be homies. You can dap up and hug on Gavin Lux, but you can also be hard on them at the same time. So that's yeah. great. So MH Dodger for life. We appreciate yeah, you. Appreciate You're a Do man. Dodgers nation for life. Mr. Rasa Jr. 23. Let's go. $100. Read that because my voice hurts. Okay. Props to Clip for sticking it through. Even though he sounds like Car Carrie from Slingblade. Carl. Carl, oh, is that Carl from Slingblade? Wow, that's a nice pull right there. Go, Go Dodgers. Thing. Hashtag family. Family. 
Beverly. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. And one more from Dodger for Life that went away. We just had it. I think I saw 1999 for Medicine Mucinex. Yeah, I really need to get back on the these things over here because my voice is tore. But I can breathe better now. All of all of the the phlegms and other things seem to be loosening up. So hopefully. By uh, January 26, 1986, I'll be able to uh, to do voice things again. Yeah. No, the good thing is not, not sick. Not the throat coat, the as they yeah. say. No, you're hanging through, man. You're doing your thing. <coughs> you guys are the goats. That's from Noah Cameras. Who the heck is that? <laughs> no, um, no. Those guys are the goats. Yeah. Man, appreciate the hell out of you guys. That's incredible. You guys are nuts. Absolutely nuts. But uh, on that note, I guess uh, now we have all this, this sweet, sweet money. Um, we're going to go spend it on, on some... We're going to get him a throat transplant for tomorrow's <laughs> throat show. transplant. Let's go. But that's about all we had today. Again, there's going to be a whole bunch of, of stuff. We're not going to be live tomorrow night, which is Friday night. We'll figure out what we're going to do live for the weekend. We're going to be out here. We're going to be out here until next Thursday, Friday, doing content. we got a lot going on, so don't worry. Um, plenty of Dodgers content coming your way but stay tuned stay tubed youtube.com slash Dodgers Nation TV hit the bell leave a like uh, all the comments that you can put on there really help us up in the algorithm and again this guy's got some really good interviews uh, dropping in the next uh, you know over the next few days DodgersNation.com for all of your latest news rumors hype everything you need to know analysis on your Los Angeles Dodgers as they try to win these eighth title in in champ or in uh, a franchise history um go to 110studio.la if you guys want to work where we usually work uh we're not there this week so you guys can rent it out and make your own <laughs> podcast and maybe you'll have a voice and it'll sound better our microphones are better there too than uh these even though these get the job done hall of fame microphones i have a question what if someone wanted to rent it out to do a dodgers podcast is that allowed I don't, I don't no, know. That'd be I kind of fun. Print. <laughs> I just wonder. I just that'd be hilarious. <laughs> the answers are at uh, one ten studio la. Gear up la is another way to support us. And um, I'm gonna go get myself some voice back. Bye, guys. In a roaring stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.